Well, I, too, am so grateful for these college students who've come back and led us in worship today. What a beautiful, beautiful job. It is so great to see all of you here today. Hope that you've had a Merry Christmas, and I'm so glad that you were here to worship with us, whether you're worshiping with us in person or online or on TV. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to gather and worship with First Baptist Jackson this morning. I want to ask for all of you, if you will, to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to First Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want to begin by giving you some good news, and that is in just a few days, 2020 is going to be over, right? It's going to be 2021. I mean, this is what we've been waiting for since March, for 2020 to finally be over. Boy, it's been an incredibly difficult year, hasn't it? It's been a year of just all sorts of instability. It's been a year of uh, struggle and disappointment, a year of frustration, a, a year of pain and loss. It's been just awful, to be honest with you. And so there is something about 2021 that gives us just great anticipation. Maybe it's because we know the vaccine is beginning to come out and hopefully things are going to be better. But you know, as Christians, even when we go through difficult times, we have to stop and say, well, what is it that God's trying to say to us, right? And so today our, our theme is going to be making sense of 2020. What is it that God is trying to say to you and to me through this difficult year. Well, unfortunately, I can't tell you what God's trying to say to you, but I can tell you what he's been saying to me. You know, God has taught me over this year that, you know, I too often find security in comfort. And I talked with you last week about how I'm a person who doesn't like to travel. I just like to be home. I like to be in my own bed, in my own chair, eat my own food. And, and that's really kind of the way I am with all of life. I, I, I guess it's a control problem, really. I, I like to know my surroundings. I like to know my circumstances. I like to know what people are thinking. I just, you know, I just, I just like that. There's, there's comfort in knowing what's coming next. I'm a person who just lives for sameness. You know, I, I have my routine. And when something like a pandemic comes and throws off our routine and everything is completely different and you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, it just drives me absolutely crazy. And so God has been teaching me this year that sometimes I find more security and comfort, unfortunately, than I seek to find in Him. I think God has been teaching me in 2020 a little bit about humility. And by the way, unfortunately, I'm going to be 49 years old in a couple of weeks. And unfortunately, it seems like God's been trying to teach me this one for 49 years and I hadn't got it yet. But, you know, I'm probably going to be working on that one and for all of the life here on earth. But, you know, God has been teaching me about humility in that, you know, when you strip so much of what you enjoy away and so much of what builds you up is gone, and you realize that maybe you've made things important that weren't meant to be so important. For instance, I am so grateful that you all are here this morning, and it is great to see people sitting here in the pews. I'm going to be honest with you, though. There's something about standing on this stage and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with this room being absolutely packed to capacity. There is something about seeing a full sanctuary that is absolutely exhilarating and just cannot be replaced. But when God makes it to where this sanctuary can't be filled, well, what are you going to do then? And so really, I think for me, in some ways, 2020 has been kind of a, a test of my call. Did God call me to preach the gospel or did God call me to stand before crowds? 
Will I give the same best effort every single week whether there are three people in the room or whether there are 3,000 in the room? 2020 has kind of helped me understand that a little bit better. You know, in 2020, I've learned some things about us as a church as well. You know, one of the things that I've learned about us, and, and, and I'm guilty of this, is, you know, for too long, really, we have valued attendance much more than engagement. Meaning that we talk a lot about how many people came to this event or how many people came to worship on Sunday or how many people came to Sunday school or how many came to this or that or whatever. We oftentimes don't, are not as concerned with, did it really have an impact on people? We celebrate more the number of people who came instead of those whose lives were changed. And so that's something that God's been teaching me this year. Engagement is much more important than attendance. And God has been teaching me too about First Baptist Jackson here over the last year, and again, I'm guilty of this too, is sometimes we make idols out of our programs. Our programs become more important to us even sometimes, and this is unintentional, but our programs become more important to us than people and what God's doing in the lives of individuals. And when you come through a time like a pandemic and you can't do your programs, you kind of begin to feel a little bit of a discouragement and depression. Well, we can continue to do Bible study and we can continue to worship and we can continue to pray and we can continue to minister to each other and we can continue to be evangelistic and we can continue to do missions. We just can't do all of those things the same ways that we used to. But when we get into a depression or a fog, we begin to cocoon because we can't do our programs doesn't that tell us that the programs are more important than the people that the programs were meant to help grow in the, their faith in the Lord? I'll tell you a good thing that God has showed me about First Baptist Jackson. We are really good at production. And when I say production, I don't mean big stuff, but I mean producing quality gospel content for people to be able to engage with. For instance, just this past week, the Now All is Well. Wasn't that incredible? Listen, all of us would have loved to have been able to do carols by candlelight, but when we have a limit of 200 people in this room, we have more than 200 people singing carols by candlelight. There was absolutely no way that we could do that. But God has equipped us with a staff of people who are gifted and talented to be able to pull that together, and it was absolutely incredible. And so many people were able to hear the gospel, the true meaning of Christmas, even though they couldn't come to this facility. We've done lots of videos over the last year, webinars with our counselors. We've done discipleship videos, the worship that's produced online and on TV. There have been a lot of things that we've had to do. Mike has talked a lot about how we are flexing some muscles in 2020 that we're going to be using moving forward, and there's no question about that. But God has shown me that production, we're good at that. We really are really good at that. And that's not to knock any other church, by the way. Just like every individual family is different, every church is different. And God puts people in churches just as he desires. 
And God equips churches for certain tasks. And I think looking back at 2020, there's no question that God has uniquely shaped First Baptist Church Jackson to be able to produce very good, high quality, solid gospel content for many people around the world to be able to come to know Jesus and grow in Him. Well, I've also learned what a great staff we have here. It's been a tough year, just as it's been a tough year for you. And listen, everything about church in 2020 is so different than the way we learned church in seminary. We, were learned, we learned how things were supposed to be done and how programs were to be organized and manned. And I mean, there's, we're good at that. But when you're not able to do any of that stuff, what do you do? Well, this staff here adjusted. And I have been blown away by the creativity of the staff. The go ahead and press forward attitude of the staff. The way that you hear laughter in the hallways each and every day that you're here. It's been a fun year as a staff. God has taught me that, boy, we're really blessed. Those are some of the things that God has taught me. And as I look back at 2020 and try to make sense, what is it that God's been trying to say to me? Those are some of the things that he's been telling me. But what's he been saying to you? Again, unfortunately, I can't tell you what God's been saying to you. But the good news is, I can teach you from God's Word how to hear what He has to say. So with your Bibles open to 1 Samuel chapter 3, I'm not going to ask you to stand today because we're going to go all through this particular chapter throughout the message, and we'll take it a little bit at a time. But with your Bibles open to 1 Samuel chapter 3, look with me at what the Scripture has to say. Verse 1, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Now I want to stop here, and I want you to give you the first point of today's message, how to make sense of 2020, right? How to know when God is speaking to you and what God is trying to say to you. Here's the first thing you got to know. You have to have a right view of God. You have to have a right view of God. You say, where in the world are you getting that in verse 1? It's not so much verse 1 as it is understanding chapters 1 and 2. Let me give you a little context of this particular passage. This is recording the, 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 the time of the judges. And if you know about the book of Judges in the Old Testament, you see a pattern, a consistent pattern throughout the book. And that is that God, of course, is faithful to his people, but his people rebel against him. The people are carried away into judgment or oftentimes into captivity. They cry out to God for help. God sends a deliverer called a judge. He delivers the people, and guess what? They rebel against him again. As they rebel, they get carried away into captivity. They cry out to God. God sends a deliverer or a judge. God delivers them and they go back into rebellion again. It's a cycle that you see all the way through the book of Judges. Well, this is the time period that we're seeing here in 1 Samuel chapter 3. So it's a time when the judges or the leaders of Israel were incredibly corrupt. And as a result, people were worshiping false idols. And the priesthood itself was corrupt. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we see where Eli is the high priest in Shiloh. At that time, the people would come to worship at the tabernacle in Shiloh. This was before King David's reign and uh, the building of the temple with Solomon and moving everything to Jerusalem. So this is in Shiloh, and this is, this is where this passage occurs. 
And so we see in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that Eli, who's the high priest, he had two sons who, frankly, were just awful. They were taking advantage of the worshipers. They were uh, using the offerings for their own personal gain. The scripture actually says in chapter 2 that the people abhorred the offering of the Lord. That's how bad it was. But in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're introduced to a girl named Hannah who is married to a man named Elkanah. And as he would go to Shiloh once a year to worship the Lord, we see where Hannah pours out her heart before God because up to this point in her life, she was unable to have any children. She cries out to God and begs him to provide her a male child and promises that if he does, that he would, she would surrender that child back to the Lord. Well, God heard that prayer and that baby was born. She named him Samuel, which means God hears. And as Samuel was weaned, then his mom gave him back to the Lord and he served there with Eli and the priests in Shiloh. So when we see here in chapter 3, verse 1, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Listen, it was a time of corruption. It was a time where people weren't wanting to worship God because of what they were experiencing. It was a difficult time in the land. People were discouraged and frustrated and angry. It was an awful time. But God had been at work in the midst of all that. A baby had been born who now had grown to be probably a teenager who was here ministering to the Lord. Here's what you got to know, okay? Yes, 2020 has been an incredibly difficult year. But the God that we worship is the God who spoke the world into existence in six days. He is the God who is over all the God who never sleeps and he never slumbers, the God who is good, the God that we trust in when we say verses like Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so when we come into the presence of God, we come into the presence of one who never slept or slumbered in the year 2020. The one who was not surprised with how the year turned out. The one who was never overwhelmed, not a single second of a single day, but who was always in control and always desiring the good for you and for me. And so in order to make sense of 2020, you have got to have a right view of God. You've got to know who he is. Because unless you do, nothing in life is really ever going to make any sense. By the way, how do you have that right view of God? Through his word. Now you've heard me say this before and you're going to hear me say it a million and a half more times. But the appropriate approach to the word of God is not reading it asking the question what, but asking the question who. It's not coming to the word and saying, God, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do there? What am I supposed to do next? But it's asking, God, who are you? From Genesis to Revelation, that's the question you're supposed to ask when you're reading. It's only then that you'll have a right view of who he is. Now let's continue on in verse 2. 
And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call, lie down again, go back to bed. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. He answered, I didn't call you, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He had never heard God speak to him before. This was new. That's why he's confused. Verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be. If he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. So the first thing is you have to have a right view of God. But the second thing, in order to make sense of 2020, to know what God's trying to say to you, you have to have the right posture to hear. The right posture to hear. Notice what Eli says to Samuel there in verse 9. If he calls you, you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Think about what he's telling Samuel. Speak, Lord. That means that you must have a desire to hear God speak. You must desire to know who he is and how he's guiding you. Listen, do you want to know what God has to say to you? Do you want to hear him speak to you in your life? Now let's pause here and take a step back. How does God speak to us? How do we hear from him? Well, according to the scripture, there's several ways. One is God speaks to us through his creation, right? The scripture says, day unto day utter speech. So every time you walk out in the morning, you see the sun up or at night, you see the stars out at night. It's just a reminder that God is in control, right? But now that revelation is limited, isn't it? I mean, you're not going to know who you're supposed to marry by looking up at the sun, Unless, of course, you're supposed to marry somebody named Sonny, right? I mean, but other than that, that's a, that's a limited revelation. But God also reveals himself to us through the scripture. That's his primary way. So you see here where God is speaking to Samuel. You say, well, God never speaks to me. Oh, yes, he does. That's why we call the Bible the Word. The scripture says all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God speaks to us through the word. It's his revelation to us, which by the way means don't ever complain like this. Don't ever say, you know, I just don't know God's will for my life while at the same time, you never open up his word. You cannot blame God for not speaking to you when you do not put yourself in a posture to be able to hear him. God also speaks to us through prayer. Now, it's important that I condition that. Remember, James says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What is an effective fervent prayer of a righteous man? 
It's praying in Jesus' name. In other words, it's praying in accordance with the Word of God. It has to jive with who God is and what He desires of us. God also speaks through His people, the church. God is using Eli to guide Samuel into how to hear him speak. And God also speaks to us through circumstances in life. When I shared with you some of the things that God has been revealing to me, well, some of that for sure has been through his word. But also circumstances have helped me. How in the world would I know that we're really good at production? Well, that having gone through COVID in 2020 and things were shut down and we had to produce our content, Right? So it's through circumstances that we're able to see how God is at work in our lives and what God's trying to say to us. But it's important that we have a desire to hear him. Speak, O Lord, for your servant hears. As we talk about that posture, we shouldn't just desire to hear him speak, but we've also got to know our place there, right? Speak, O Lord, for your servant hears. We belong to him. Servants listen to the words of the master and they follow him as he guides. They do his bidding. And it's important that as we desire to make sense of 2020, as we desire to hear God speak to us, that we understand that we are the servant and he is the master. How often, by the way, do our prayers sound more like we assume we're the master and he's the servant? In other words, how much of our time in prayer is spent asking God to do stuff for us instead of listening to what he wants to say to us and how he wants us to adjust to him. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. The word hears here in the Hebrew gives the idea of listening attentively and listening with the desire to obey. Listen to me, church. Why in the world would God speak to us if we continually shut him off? Why in the world would he speak to us and help us to make sense of our world and guide us in how he wants us to adjust if we're going to pay absolutely no attention to him? You have to have the right posture to hear. Now look at what happens. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. That's never good. Verse 12. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. In other words, God tells Samuel, I am going to bring punishment on Eli's household. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Now listen to me. If you have a right view of God and the right position to hear, the right posture to hear, 
and God speaks to you and you hear what he says and you know what it is that he's saying to you, you've got to understand that sometimes what God has to say to you is not an easy thing to hear. And you also have to know that doing what God tells you to do can be the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life. You know, I heard it said one time that oftentimes for us as Christians, our problem is not that we don't hear God speak as much as it is that we don't want to do what he asks us to do. And there's probably truth in that. Samuel is scared to do what God has revealed to him. Perfectly normal. Verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. What would Samuel do? Verse 18. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. First of all, how did Eli know that what Samuel was saying was really from the Lord? Because God had told Eli the same thing in chapter 2. What God says to you never contradicts his character, nor does it ever contradict his activity. That's why it is imperative if you really want to hear God's voice, if you really want to make sense of your life and your world and follow him as he desires, then you must be a person who studies his word because he will never contradict his word. And you got to be careful. You know where you really got to be careful? Unfortunately, in church. Because there's a lot of people who will come up and say, you know, God told me this, or I've been praying about this, and here's... But if it doesn't jive with God's word, you know what that is? Taking the Lord's name in vain. That's not good. So you have to have a right view of God, number one. You have to have a right posture in order to be able to hear. But third of all, what I want you to see from today's passage is that you have to give a right response. What God has spoken to Samuel is a difficult word. And Samuel is going to have to adjust to God's way of doing things because this is not his way of doing it. But Samuel gave the right response and he followed through with what God had told him to do. It was Henry Blackaby who said that the reason that oftentimes as Christians we do not experience God is because we fail to obey him. But look at what happens. Look at what happens when we hear him speak and we do respond the right way. Look at verse 19. So Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, from the north to the south, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And then chapter 4 and verse 1, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Here's why that's significant. Go back to chapter 3 verse 1. 
The second part, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. But God reveals himself to Samuel, who places himself in the right posture to hear. And as he hears what God has to say to him, he adjusts his life. He follows through with the right response. And as a result, now it's no longer rare to hear from God. They're hearing from God all the time. You see the impact that this one person had when he followed through with what God had to say to him. So listen, let's take a step back. Here's the question for you. Yeah, 2020 stunk, right? Stunk. And as a result, the phrase has been coined that is so 2020. 2020 has been a difficult year for everybody in this room and everybody watching online and on TV. But God was still on the throne in 2020. And God, who uses life as a schoolhouse for us to teach us who he is and to help us to see who we really are, and the adjustments we need to make in our lives in order to become more like him. The God who has promised us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that we learned about in Ephesians 1. The God who has saved us to be his workmanship, his poema, who he desires to reveal himself through. The God who has given us an inheritance that is undefiled, reserved in heaven for us. That very same God has been trying to get our attention all through the year. And God has been trying to speak to us and guide us into how he wants us to live. Question is, are you listening? Do you come to 2021 going, whew, glad 2020 is over. Hope it's going to be better. Or do you come to 2021 going, you know what is a tough year? But God spoke to me and God has shaped me and God has made me better in 2021 than ever before. God has a word for you. 2020 was no mistake. God desires to use it for his glory and for your good. Will you stop and listen to what he has to say? Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning and as we wrap up a very difficult year, we take such great comfort in knowing that it, it didn't surprise you you were never overwhelmed a single moment. You've always been in control. You always are. You always will be. And we thank you for reminding us today that you do desire to speak to us. You desire for us to hear your voice. You desire to guide us. And for reminding us today that you are always at work in the world. Always, regardless of how bad things seem to us. You were always at work. That's our hope, that's our comfort, that's our joy and our peace. 
Father, I pray that you will help us as a church to hear you. Knowing that you don't waste anything in our lives. Help us to hear what you've been having to say to us. And grant us the faith to adjust to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.